hello and welcome to Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast, a podcast to inspire you about outdoor travel and activities in the UK and across the world. I'm Hannah and you can email me with your thoughts or your questions on live at cicerone.co.uk. Today I'm joined by Cress Allwood and Sarah Williams for International Women's Day. First of all, I have to apologise for cancelling the live event that we were supposed to be running. Unfortunately, both me and Cress had been struck down and we were both poorly and unable to do the live event. But we are mostly fighting fit again and they're here with me tonight. I'm joined today by two of our Cicerone ambassadors, Sarah and Cress. I'll chat a little bit about their outdoor careers and about how they both quit the 9 to 5 to do some incredible things. We'll also be discussing whether gender is still an issue in accessing the outdoors. We cannot possibly try to represent all women and answer on every woman's behalf. So a bit of a disclaimer here that we are all individuals who experience life differently. And the women here tonight accept that in many ways we've not faced the barriers that others have and still do. But we thought it's a really important conversation and we want to use this opportunity to celebrate some fantastic women and their experiences. I'll let Sarah and Chris introduce themselves and then we're going to have a little bit of a chat after that. So Sarah, do you want to just introduce yourself, please? I would love to. So thank you so much for having me on. Delighted to be here. My name, like you said, is Sarah Williams. I'm the host of the Tough Girl podcast and the founder of Tough Girl Challenges, which is all about motivating and inspiring women and girls. And I do that in a number of different ways. So I host the Tough Girl podcast where I've interviewed over 500 women of all ages, all backgrounds, all shapes and sizes, sharing a variety of different <coughs> adventures and challenges. And then I myself, I've gone and done a whole variety of different challenges from running the Marathon de Saabs through hiking the Appalachian Trail, walking the Camino Portuguese. And most recently last year, I did the Tough Girl UK Adventure Series, which was six walks throughout the UK. And that was the Anglesey Coastal Path, the South Downs Way. I'm going to forget them all, the Pilgrim's Way. <laughs> West Highland Way, climbing Bed Nevis, and finishing off with uh, with the Great Glen Way, and I and I share and promote these stories through the podcast, through vlogs, through blogs, through social media, as a way to increase the amount of female role models in the media, and encourage more women to get outside, get fit, get active, and to take on new challenges. So that's a very brief overview, and obviously more than happy to expand on that and talk a little bit more in detail about some of the different challenges if you'd like. Brilliant, thanks, Sarah and Chris. A little bit about you, please. Gosh, yes. Uh, how to follow that. And good evening and welcome. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me on your show tonight, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, so I'm Cresselwood. Um, I've always had uh, regular nine to five jobs most of my life. So I, I didn't have a background in the outdoors per se. I came into the outdoors quite late in life. Uh, but I was an advocate. I was trying to encourage especially young girls, but boys as well, uh, as a PE teacher. It's when I swapped over into the outdoor world uh, that I noticed things were a a bit different. We can come on to that. I did chuck in a job, I guess quite notably, in my uh, mid-40s, my midlife adventure, and had a fantastic time cycling around the world, mainly on my own, uh, which I'd really recommend to anybody. Uh, if that um, is appealing to you, please um, go for it. And I've, I've spent 20 years leading overseas expeditions, leading young people um, in jungle areas and up mountains. And that's predominantly been in my holidays. So I think that'll do. Perfect. Thank you so much. I, I love that you had a midlife adventure. 
I think that is a, that is a term that we should totally use. That's brilliant. Yeah, I love that. And we'll talk about we'll talk about that more uh, later on. One thing about you two together, you're you're obviously you're both Cicerone ambassadors, which in fairness doesn't really involve that much. We just sort of wanted you to be around because you're brilliant women and you're the sort of people that we we like and represent Cicerone really well. But actually, both of you are really, really positive ab- about people doing activities on any level and, and what is right for them. And I love that as well. I think that's really important that, you know, you cycle halfway around the world, but equally be encouraging about somebody. Well, you have been encouraging about me doing a little a little poodle here and there. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's a lovely thing that that unites you both. Sarah, you're doing at the moment, you're doing the March Daily Mile, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Well, do you know, it's interesting when you're talking about that, because I was thinking the one rule that I have for my community and I try and bring it up and talk about on the podcast, which is no comparisons. Do not compare yourself to anybody else. Because I know that people listen to some of the podcast episodes that go out and just be like, well, I'm never going to climb Mount Everest. I'm never going to run an ultramarathon. And the whole message that I put out is it's not about that. It's not about the challenge that these women do, which are incredible and amazing, but it's more about learning like the tips and tricks and applying it to your own life. So yeah, so recently, or well, for the past two years, I've done something called the March Daily Mile Challenge, which is encouraging people to get outside, to go for a run for one mile. And it, it, I actually got a comment. Somebody wrote on my Instagram the other day, oh, you know, th- thank you, Sarah. You've changed my life because she was, you know, she was struggling. She put on some, some extra weight through COVID. She wasn't moving. She wasn't exercising. But having this challenge, being involved in a community, there's like a runner bingo sheet you can get involved with. So, you know, you can wear funny glasses, wear pink, you know, run in different places. You know, if you've got road runners who are always running on the road, then maybe it's about trying, you know, well, let's try it on a trail let's try running on a beach let's try running on a track let's mix it up a little bit but you know a mile is still a mile whether you're doing it in six minutes or 15 minutes it's more about you and how you feel doing it so yeah no comparisons allowed (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's a really important thing I I do it a lot I'm like oh no I'm not a proper runner or I'm not a a proper cyclist and and I think it's yeah a, a really good rule a good rule for life so we're we're here today to talk about International Women's Day. So just if you can, Chris, first of all, what does International Women's Day mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you uh, for asking that, Hannah. And I guess for me, it's about a couple of things. It's partly about recognizing and honoring uh, the women who have inspired us and the women who are around us currently. So looking back at history and and recognizing some really inspirational women, um, celebrating the work of people today so we can leave a legacy for the future. I think that that for me is what it's about. And Sarah? Well, for me, it's quite interesting. It's my view of International Women's Day has really evolved over the past couple of years. And, you know, it used to be it's all about promoting women and sharing their stories. But now I think I'm getting to the stage where it's more about like activism and calling people out on what isn't happening. And that's one of the things, especially with with what I do, which is increasing the amount of female role models in the media. It's because women just don't get that exposure on mainstream media. So, you know, women don't get to see the role models. You know, don't get me wrong, things are changing. And, you know, we are starting to see, you know, like the the Women's World Cup and the, the cricket and the rugby, which is happening, you know, later on this month, which is fantastic. But when I was a little girl growing up, 
women's sports just weren't really on the TV unless it was the Olympics or Wimbledon. Those were like the two times then you see when you see women and girls sort of um, on the television. And now, you know, things are changing, but a long way to go. I think change, for whatever reasons, takes time. But I think we have to... I think we have to be quite mindful about how we go about things. We need to work with uh, men and people who identify as men and make sure that we realise that gender equality is everybody's business and we, we have we all have everything to gain. Um, and I think that's where perhaps the work needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think there are maybe ways in which can we can be more savvy, if you like, to share those experiences and help people understand that actually the, the world does look different from different people's shoes and just do our best to work together. So we need to we need to help people um, to find collaborative ways forward. It's not an easy topic of conversation because there's so many perspectives, so many views. It's not a black and white and it is. It is complicated, but what I what yeah. I would come back to is um, that gender equality really does benefit everyone in society, and it, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it shouldn't matter who you are; the, the hills are there for you, and the hills don't discriminate. Yeah, so International Women's Day is is partly celebrating some incredible women and partly trying to address um, any inequality that still exists. So, Sarah, you're the founder of Tough Girl Challenges. What is Tough Girl Challenges and why did you set that up? So Tough Girl Challenges came about in 2014 and it was something that I've been thinking about for a while. So I I haven't always been in this role of like adventure and challenges. I actually had a very uh, normal job. I graduated from university, moved down to London and started working in banking and then, you know, worked ridiculous, crazy hours, stressed out of my mind before I eventually sort of quit the rat race in 2013. And I was fortunate enough to have some savings. So I headed over to South America. And when I was in South America, I really started to ask myself, these questions you know what do I want to do with my life what do I want my life to look like and for me that involved challenge and adventure but also involved inspiring women and girls so I'd worked in a very male dominated industry but I was you know I'd always been very very confident I didn't really have a problem with that but I know that there were other women who really struggled and I wanted to help make an impact and I used to do things through work such as um, I was on like the London committee for UN women and women for women international I supported them for a while and when I was out in South America, I was on these buses traveling for 24 hours at a time with, you know, a journal and a notebook. And I was just asking myself these questions, you know, what do I enjoy? What do I not like? What would I, what would I like my life to be like? And, you know, I combined it all together to create Tough Girl Challenges, this sort of living, breathing entity. I wanted to motivate and inspire women and girls. I wanted to inspire them to travel, go on big adventures, dream big. But I didn't necessarily know how to actually do that. So, I first started by blogging, but nobody read my blog. No one was, no one was interested in what I was doing. I, and I always joke, like, not even my mum, because, you know, everyone's mum always um, is super proud of what they've done. And I started going into lots of girls' schools to give talks around sort of, you know, the different challenges that I'd done, the different adventures I'd been on. And I remember talking to a lot of young girls, you know, what were their goals? What were their ambitions? And I remember this time when I was speaking to lots of girls, and they all told me, oh, they basically wanted to grow up to be a wag which is the wife and girlfriend of a footballer. And I was just like, to be honest, it really sort of upset me. And I remember coming home and I was telling my parents and flicking through the papers and I got, you know, got to the back pages. 
it's just men, 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 men's stories, men's views, men's input. And I was like, where are all the women? Like, where, where are the women to, to inspire these girls? So not that their ambition is to grow up to be the wife and girlfriend of a footballer, but for them to grow up wanting to be a footballer or wanting to do something, not just to be the partner of, of, of somebody else. And, and then it really struck me that actually young girls and boys are growing up with, you know, not hearing stories from half the population. And instead of complaining about it, because complaining actually doesn't make any changes, I thought, well, what can I do? And I thought about starting a podcast and I had a very good friend who helped me out, Yana Lunga. And I started the Tough Girl podcast on the 4th of August, 2015 with four episodes. And I've been releasing regular episodes sort of every Tuesday and for the past couple of years, sort of every Tuesday on Thursday. And now, you know, there's over 500 episodes, over 500 stories of women. And What's so powerful about the podcast is it's not just having women as role models, like this visual representation of what women have done, whether it's climbing mountains or through hiking. By talking and sharing their story on the podcast, they share the how. How did they do it? What steps did they take? What fears did they overcome? What barriers did they break through? How did they pay for it? How did they find the time? And then, you know, women have now got this resource. If you visit the website, toughgirlchallenges.com, you can look through all of these episodes and think, okay, well, maybe I want to go to the poll. Maybe I want to run an marathon well how do I do it listen to the episodes on the tough girl podcast so so that that's really really sort of where it all started a few different key moments but it was wanting to just have role models for for girls and women growing up and I've also got a niece who's now six years old who was um born a couple of years after I started the tough girl podcast and I thought you know I want her growing up in a world filled where she is surrounded by strong, powerful, ambitious women. And the women on the Tough Girl podcast are that. So that's, that's the story. That's, uh, that's how, that's how I do my bit to help celebrate women's achievements. Um, and how I take action to help, um, yeah, take action for equality, you know, challenging those gender stereotypes and, um, and helping to increase the visibility of women who are out there doing these incredible challenges. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, fantastic. I guess it's it's such a bold thing to just give up your job and give up that level of comfort to, to go off and do something adventurous. And Chris, you did that as well, didn't you? Yeah, it's funny. I, I'm almost laughing to myself when I hear you say that, because for me, actually, you know, chucking in my job in my mid 40s, and I guess at a time when for many people, they're looking at the next steps on the ladder, you know, those more senior positions and and actually chucking in my job and uh, you know renting out my house and packing all my things up and I didn't know how long I was going to go for it ended up being just under two years that was actually the easy bit for me Hannah the hard bit was actually coming back and reintegrating into society but having said that yeah I mean I was pretty driven Obviously, I think one one needs to be to make such a major change. Um, but I, I just really felt I wanted to have an adventure whilst I had my health. I didn't want to leave it until I was at a retirement age. What I mean, who knows what age that's going to be nowadays. Um, so I wanted to be able to go while I was pretty uh, healthy and, uh, and able to rough it. So, um, yeah, so I did. Yeah, I mean, there were lot, so many people who said, you know, lots, many sharp intakes of breath and, ooh, I don't, you know, lots of, I started in Pakistan, so I'm sure you can imagine, which was safe at the time. Uh, oh, we can't go there. And, you know, uh, endless reasons listed by people for why I shouldn't do these things. Uh, but on the whole, my, my, 
good friends and people who knew me knew that I wasn't going to pay heed to any of those uh, naysayers. And um, yeah, what can I say? It was an amazing and, adventure. And I know, I know people who have read your articles on our website will, will oh, have yeah. heard about this trip, but what, what was the trip that you, you gave up your job for? <laughs> Um, Well, I just wanted to have an adventure. As I say, I really didn't know how long I'd go for. I was open to the fact that I might be weeping and lonely after a few months. And and that was okay. I just needed to go and find out. So I had a um, hand-built bike. I was left some money by an aunt. And I thought, okay, I'm going to put that to good use. And um, I set off from Pakistan uh, on a bike ride and went through all sorts of countries, Pakistan, over the Karakoum Highway, China, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, many stands. Uh, and then <laughs> later, oh gosh, Australia, New Zealand, you know, South America. So, you know, various places, not everywhere. Um, but, and I climbed a few mountains along the way because I like uh, messing about with lots of sports. So, um, and I led a couple of expeditions along the way, which uh, gave me a slightly different focus for a month um, off the bike, leading people. Say, when I was in South America, I took people on um, Cotopaxi um, in Ecuador, and I also did a trip in Malaysia. So, that just gave me a different purpose and focus um so yeah i mean gosh endless thousands of miles um not too many punctures luckily and many many countries <laughs> i i remember when i first met you it was it was from you talking about your around the world cycling trip what some incredible places that you visited looks absolutely yeah. amazing oh, i mean both you. of you there's you've both done so many cool things that we could have this podcast for hours talking about the cool things that you've done (laughs) and I I just I can't go through them all one thing out of your CV Sarah that that really sticks out at me is the Appalachian Trail what was that like what is one of the hardest things I have ever done on my life I think I was so I I think I was just so naive when I started and so how that came about is I'd run the Marathon de Saabs in 2016 which is running six marathons in six days carrying everything you need on your backpack but I trained for like 18 months for this race. I, I had a bout of illness in, in between, so I had to postpone it from 2015 to 2016. And then I remember like when the race was over and it was suddenly like, wow, all that training and all that effort and it's just done. And so I thought, well, for my next challenge, I want a longer, a longer challenge. And I'd heard about the Appalachian Trail, which is based over in America. It's sort of on the east coast of America. And it starts down in Springer Mountain, Georgia, and runs up through 15 states all the way up to Mount Katahdin in Maine. And it's 2,190 miles. And I heard about this and heard about how people through hiked it. So, you know, started at the start and walked all the way through. And um, I just thought it sounded incredible. And I heard about a guy who'd done it in 100 days. And so I thought, well, if he can do it in 100 days, I can do it in 100 days. That's only it's, I only need to average 22 miles per day. And obviously, when you're at home planning, it's very easy to be like, oh, 22 miles. Yeah, 22 miles. Oh, that yeah, I can just bash that out. And I even had this funny conversation with my sister sort of saying, yeah, like, I think I'm going to be so far ahead of schedule. I'll probably be able to pop into New York because the Appalachian Trail runs through a train station, so which is only like a couple of hours from New York. And so, so yeah, I'll just pop in for the weekend before getting back on the trail. It was not like that at all. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was one of the most physically, emotionally, mentally demanding challenges I've done. Just, you know, walking for 12 plus hours a day with a heavy pack on. And there's... Um, I have actually daily vlogged the whole series, which is available on my YouTube channel. And 
you can just sort of see <laughs> you can see the you can see the progress but you can also see like how my body starts to disintegrate and even towards the end like I was just breaking down in tears and I was getting these like random nosebleeds and I had like no muscle and no fat and uh, there's there is also a short six minute video that you can watch but that was watch but that was just to be honest it was brutal really really brutal it actually probably took me about two and a half years to recover but it also did change something in my mind for me because I realized after I finished it that actually like I'm, I'm good enough and I thought actually I don't need to prove anything to anyone now like I I sort of knew myself so well because I got to spend this time out in the outdoors in nature doing a lot of deep thinking and having this incredible time to reflect on you know my life the journey that I've been on what I want my life to look like um in like a really quite profound way and I think you know people do say that like nature is healing I certainly found it incredibly healing after probably spending eight very stressful years being stressed out of my mind and um yeah, I just, you know, got to the end, finished it and was like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I do look back now and just, you know, I only had like two rest days during the whole thing. And by the 50 day mark, I'd walked a thousand miles in 50 days and I still had mm-hmm. another 1,200 miles to walk. And my body was already starting to, to break down quite uh, quite badly so it's also it's the equivalent of going up and down Mount Everest about 16 times so it's not like a flat hike that it's through like the Appalachian Trail mountains um but you know wonderful incredible you know what what a privilege for me to be able to go out there for that three plus months and uh and experience nature at its very very best yeah I think um when you're doing things like this you can't possibly walk that many hundreds and hundreds of miles without it changing you and I I think that that's something that a lot of people will resonate with is just that when you go and you spend some time in the outdoors and you start thinking about different things and you're taking yourself away from your normal life and and it does change you I think it took me after I went to Nepal it, it took me a couple of weeks to start thinking that anything was important at all my brain was was in Nepal and everything felt yeah it just didn't feel real when I came back um what what an amazing experience and no wonder it changed you. But, yeah. but, but what I would say as well, it doesn't have to be a trail of that length. You know, like if you look in the UK, there's so many incredible walks and adventures that are available uh, you know, in Wales and the Lake District in Scotland is just absolutely incredible as well. So it doesn't yeah. always have to be um, a, a crazy, insane journey. You know, there are so many wonderful walks which can be done over weekends, over a week, over, you know, two weeks, you know, a really nice sort of manageable length of time. Yeah, of course. It's back to the don't compare yourself. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. You know, it's just absolutely. What, what are your limits and can you gently go beyond them? I mean, I think we all start small you know we all start somewhere and build up I certainly had no idea I'd end up doing a mega bike ride and climbing lots of mountains at altitude or going through the jungle you know it's like the little by little I sort of started in the UK and whether it was mountain biking journeys or you know and I learned to navigate and read a map and did my mountain leader Um, and before I went on my big my big bike trip you know, I'd done a few bike trips. I'd done some overseas travel, did a trial run when I biked across the Pyrenees on my own for, I think I I went for just over a week. 
you know, and you learn a lot in that in that time. So I would definitely recommend that people build your confidence bit by bit, well, you know, whatever the sport or the activity. And I think we're predominantly talking about the outdoors here, aren't we? So, you know, whatever the sport or the activity, find some people to have a support system and make sure your goals are attainable. You know, don't always overreach so you don't achieve things, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's it's a massive confidence booster when you achieve something. So if you yeah, can absolutely. set an achievable goal, then then that really helps to build your confidence, which of course is something that many, many people struggle with. You know, I think the trouble with the emphasis on higher, further, faster is that it, it doesn't suit many people. So I think, you know, the good news is with more podcasts such as Sarah's and um Social media has done lots of good, actually, to show um, people that there are perhaps more role models closer to home, you know, whether they're friends or family, because I think that's who many people look to, you know, rather than a superhero who might seem a bit far away. And thinking about that, Chris, which which outdoorsy women do you admire the most? (laughs) Oh, gosh, the most. Do you know what? Actually, probably I'm in the... (laughs) I'm in my local tri club and there are some amazing men and women actually who inspire me. I mean, I swim, I mean, I feel like I want to mention a, a few because they're either some are, I mean, you know, I'm mid 50, so no, you know, <laughs> not young anymore, sadly. It's, it's just a number, I know. But there were people in their 50s, 60s, 70s who were doing loads of great things. They don't necessarily shout about them in a big public way, but. You know, I really love the fact that they just get on with do things and they might share them in the like our local Facebook group. They're attainable role models. So there's that level of role model. But obviously, they're always people. I mean, I grew up reading Josie Dew and Dervla Murphy before her. And, you know, they're Lizzie Hawker sort of getting was getting into ultra running so that you know, there are many more people who've written books, which is fantastic. Laura Stone's book was great, inspired me about cycling. Um, so I think you can have role models of, of different types. Yeah, I, d- I don't imagine that she would even realise that she was a role model for me. Was when I was getting into doing my outdoorsy qualifications and most of the outdoor instructors were similar sort of styles of um, men with an amount of bravado and they'd all be sort of quite confident and bold um men and there was one woman who worked who worked with us and she was quite quiet and very bookish and just just really different to the others and I just thought she was really inspirational because because she was like me the most and she was doing a job that I really admired and I really respected I remember at the time thinking, you know, maybe maybe I can do this because because she's she's like me, and I think that's that's fundamentally the importance of having role models is that it's it's so beneficial to everybody to see that there are people that they recognise um, doing something that they want to do or that they aspire to do. I I just like to add that after I started Tough Girl Pound Challenges in 2015, in 2016, I remember I was chatting. I got to meet like a lot of my listeners and my community. Uh, I was at the Women's Adventure Expo actually down in Bristol. 
I just remember having a couple of these really powerful conversations with women saying, you know, Sarah, the podcast is amazing. I love the women that you're speaking to, but I know I'm never going to go and climb like a 6,000 meter peak. I know I'm never going to run an ultra marathon. I know I'm not going to do mm. some of these more extreme things. And so sometimes when they listen to the podcast, they actually felt bad about themselves because, you know, going back to that comparison thing at the start. And that really made me reflect quite deeply on, well, who are the women that I'm interviewing? Whose stories am I promoting and sharing? And um, and I thought, well, actually, I need to mix this up a little bit. So in 2017, I did something called Seven Women, Seven Challenges. And um, throughout the whole of 2017, I spoke with with seven women every couple of months. They, they all had different challenges. For example, Ray Red, she was a new runner going after her first ultra. There was Gemma Smith, who was wanting to climb Kilimanjaro, the Matterhorn and the Eiger. There was Rachel Wise, who was taking a gap year with her husband and three daughters to go and travel around the world. Like Laura Try, whose goal was to row around the coast of Great Britain and, and so on and so forth. And I think what happens sometimes is people just see the end result. They see the summit of the mountain. They see the end of the trip, the, you know, the success stories but they don't know what it's taken to actually get there. So with Seven Women, Seven Challenges, it was speaking to these seven ordinary, everyday women about their journey of going after a challenge. And what was fascinating was being able to follow them throughout this year. And there was there was successes, there were surprises, there was, you know, um, an unintended pregnancy, um, which, you know, <laughs> changed things up a bit. Uh, there was failure, there was, um, you know, setbacks, but people could hear all these steps through the, through the podcast. And it's absolutely fascinating. And so, you know, going forward, I've always or I've tried more to not always just interview the the extreme of the extremes but also you know women going from the couch to running the London Marathon or you know sort of the everyday women doing going after their own sort of personal challenges and given opportunities to tribe members come on their podcast and, and share their story and their journey um which which I think has been really really in, incredible to be honest to share this wide range of uh different different levels and different experiences yeah, I think that's really, really important that it's not just the 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 highest, fastest, mm-hmm. you know, all of all of that. I think it just getting out and doing something that that pushes you a little bit because at the end of the day, you're doing it for you. Um, yeah. So I think you should set the remit of that, and I yeah, I really believe in that. I think that's really, really important. I'm not going to put you on the spot, Sarah, by asking you who. Uh, who you find inspiring as women because you you literally have interviewed hundreds and hundreds of inspirational women and I think that would be a bit mean Um, (laughs) so I'm going to ask you instead what do you think is the biggest misconception about women in the outdoors that they're brave (laughs) I mean I don't I mean don't get me wrong like women are brave but I think sometimes that's a phrase that gets thrown around when women say oh, I want to go and do X, Y, and Z. Oh, you're so brave. You're so brave. And it's like, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. They are brave, but also what they are is they have a dream, they have a goal, and then they put a plan in place to make it happen. They just decide that they want to do it. They figure out why it's important. They know why they want to do it. And they get on, take action, and start taking small steps forward to achieve it. So it's not about being brave. It's a about just taking action and it's not overthinking it so um yeah I don't, I don't know yeah. if that's a good answer or not but um it's just it's just normal women who show up and are just like yeah okay I want to do yeah. that okay let's break it down and then let's go after it yeah I think one of the things that I I mean I would I would kind of love it if we could work towards a world where we had no labels for ourselves and we were just 
people and I was just Hannah and you were just Sarah and you were just Cress and it you know you didn't have to have this sort of put you in this box here and that box there and I think part of the thing about calling people brave is that you're implying that in brackets after you've said brave you've got for a woman oh you're brave for a woman or or you're strong for a woman and and it's that that I, I don't know if you agree but for me it's it makes me slightly uncomfortable you know like when people say oh you're good at dealing with your emotions for a man or or something like that it's that it's that inherent surprise that a woman can be brave or strong or that a man can be emotional um that it just that riles me yeah that's an it's an interesting point isn't it hannah and and that taps into you know, a whole host of aspects that cuts across society and some perhaps unhelpful stereotypes that, you know, we're trying to kick against. You know, I'm sure many of the aspects that many women are frustrated about, and and as we've said, women are very different and will have different perspectives. Um, so um, I'm wary of using that term in a, in a broad sense. But, you know, there, there will be aspects where, we're still fighting a little bit, aren't we? That some of these unhelpful stereotypes, and yeah, for sure, for me, I think it's okay for me to say, do you know what? Yeah, it took some courage to do some of the things I've done, and I feel comfortable with that. But at the same token, I don't feel comfortable shouting about my achievements, um, or because it seemed to be boasting, and and that is quite, I think, potentially something is associated with not being a positive trait i'm not going to say it's positive trait in anyone but especially not in women to stand up and say do you know what i'm good at something without potentially being looked upon it's like oh that's uh why is it harder why is it harder for women to stand up and say do you know i'm really good at this it, whatever education we've had doesn't quite sit comfortably which is a bit ridiculous really i've sort of thought that throughout my life and um yeah, you know, I came yeah. back from cycling around the world because I'd done two years and not four like Al Humphreys. I had a real downer on myself and I was like, oh, but I only did two years. Like, I, you know, I'm not good enough. It's ridiculous. <laughs> because yeah. I think we just don't have enough female role models in the media, you know, especially in the world of mountaineering. You know, who do they go to when they want an expert opinion? You know, they, they tend to go to the same narrow group predominantly of men and i just think that's you know it's 2022 we can do a bit better than that now there's a great quote which was shared by joyce stevens um it's quite a long read but i'll just read a very small section of it you know if we stand up for our rights we're aggressive and unfeminine and if we don't we're typically weak females i know i know exactly what you're what you are saying like it's yeah you're either seen as being uh, well, you're too, you're too confident. Oh, you're not confident enough. You're too aggressive. Yeah. You're too ambitious. <laughs> and and yeah. it's like we, women can't win sometimes. No matter what they do, there's always an opinion and you're always doing something wrong. Yeah, because I guess our styles potentially, you know, our styles of leadership, how, whatever language you want to put on it, you know, might look a bit different to somebody who is, you know, I'll use the term male or it's inevitably going to look a little bit different, isn't it? But if we're predominantly brought up to see certain styles, I mean, when I, when I was in PE, when I was a PE teacher, there was no question about a lack of female role models in the sports I played. You know, so it was only when I, quite later on in life, in my 30s, when I swapped and did more outdoor 
education and I looked around and I was like oh where are all the women and there just weren't any it was a real shock mm. um and you know doing my mountain leader qualification only female on the course and you know things have changed slightly but in the world of mountaineering it's still very male dominated in terms of leadership I think that's probably one reason why I've spent 20 years just leading expeditions, my own style, good, bad, other, just showing the young men and women, you know, you can do this, you know, if it's something that interests you and it's opened up incredible opportunities uh, for myself and and hopefully will for other, other, especially young women. I mean, there's so many important messages and we can't unpick them all. But just being aware that you are only living your life and your experience and that other people experience things differently. I think that's a really good place to start with everything, to be honest. Um, You know, there's times where I don't feel massively feminine. I'm not I'm not a makeup wearing girl. You know, I'm I'm not that type of girl. So I don't fit a lot of the the female stereotypes, but it, it doesn't need to be about that. It's just who I am as a person or who you are as a person and trying to accept that there will be differences and you will see things differently and you'll experience things differently. And what can we do to support each other if we need support and what can mm. we do to promote each other if if that's the right thing to do? When I normally go into girls' schools, I normally try and make myself look I have my hair down on, I have some nice makeup on, I probably do wear pink because it is my favourite colour. But one of the reasons that I do that is, uh, I do love the colour pink, by the way, <laughs> but it's because, because it's it's about, I wanted to talk to these girls for, from a feminine perspective, um, but also to show them like, yeah, like talking about getting dirty in the mud, t- climbing mountains, running desert races, doing tough mother, and then showing them pictures of, you know, being sweaty and out of breath and not looking perfect and just showing them that you can be tough and feminine. It's what, it's not one or the other. You can combine them. You can, you can a hundred percent be a girly girl and still go out and, you know, take on big, big challenges. If that's what you want to do, you don't have to be just one thing. There's not one Mm. um, type of or version of femininity. So um, yeah, I think that's really powerful. The world is changing and it is becoming more accepting, but we just need to work towards everybody feeling like they can do whatever they want and be whoever they want. It shouldn't be an issue. You should be able to go and go hiking in the jungle or go kayaking in the Lake <laughs> District, whatever you want to do. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be a problem. Um, and I think, you know, we obviously we haven't yeah. been able to do the subject justice with this short podcast, but I think there are still inequalities yeah. out there and we are not the people to have all the solutions, but we're, we're all doing our bit, I would say. Um, we're trying to encourage people to do as, as much as they want and to challenge themselves. And hopefully we've tried to pinpoint towards a few <laughs> other inspirational women to go and find out a little bit more about. You've got 500 episodes of Sarah's podcast <laughs> that you can go and listen to um, once you've finished listening to Cicerone podcast, of course. So I hope we've helped just a little bit. Um, I just want to bring it to a close by asking you to, out of everything you've done, what are you most proud of doing? Uh, Cress, go to you first. That's a tough one. It's really tough, Anna. I guess at one point on my bike trip, I just broke down and I was upset. I didn't have much water. I was in the Chilean sort of desert area. I decided to go there because it looked more interesting. 
and I didn't know whether to turn back or carry on. And I thought, oh, what would my sister do? I thought she'd go back and play safe. And I thought, you know, I could do that, but that's not me. I'm going to carry on. And even though it was the scarier thing to do, it's what I did. I think. I think for me, it was completing the marathon de Saabs because it, it it was proving it to my to myself, but it was also proving to other people. You know, all the naysayers, all the doubters, all the people who are like, "Oh, who's who? Who's who does Sarah think she is? Wanting to be an adventurer and a motivational speaker? Like, you know, she's worked in banking for eight years. She doesn't have a clue." And then, you know, doing the training for that race, having it postponed by a year. And then finally, when I did cross that finish line, when I got that medal around my neck, it was just this moment of clarity where I was actually, you know what, I have done this. I've run the toughest foot race in the world, as named by the Discovery Channel. I'm sure there's other tougher races. <laughs> but, you know, six days out in the desert, carrying everything I need on my back, having fun, enjoying myself. And that for me was, it was like the start of my new life, this new life of adventure and challenge and, and living life on my terms, I suppose. So I think I'm, yeah, that moment I'm really proud of. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you've both done so much to be proud of. I don't think we we often take enough time to just be proud of ourselves, give ourselves a bit of congratulation, give ourselves a bit of celebration um, because everybody, everybody deserves it um, from time to time. And I don't think we do that enough. So, yeah. Well done, well done, both of you. You've done loads of cool things and you're both really inspirational. You've been inspirational for me anyway. Um, so Aww. thank you. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's like, woo, a little mini round of applause. Thank you for everybody <laughs> listening. Be proud of yourself as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you, both of you. Thank you so much, you, Hannah. Well, that was great. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Footnotes, the Cicerone podcast. I'd love to know what you think or if there's anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes please email us on live at cicerone.co.uk or leave a review on your podcast platform. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss new episodes, or you can sign up to our newsletter for all our latest news, events and guidebooks. Visit cicerone.co.uk for further details. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, please feel free to come and join us on our social media channels. We're on all the main ones as at Cicerone Press and we also have a Facebook group Cicerone Connect where you can meet and chat to other outdoor enthusiasts thanks so much for listening we'll see you soon